in this series in Romans. Last week, we talked about serving. And so you know that today is we have our ministry fair downstairs. So it'll be just give us about maybe five minutes extra just in case we need a little bit more time to set up. But um, we have a ministry fair. And so all these different ministries that we have at SCAC will be downstairs. There's like they're supposed to be. There should be a job description, at least for every single one of them. So you kind of know what you're getting into. Uh, but the idea is that we, we really, you know, God has given us a capacity to love, and we love through our gifts, which we talked about last week, and we use those to serve the body of Christ and also in our neighborhoods and our workplaces and so forth. And so on that, yeah, I gave you a couple things. How do you, how do you know what your gift is? You can do a gift assessment. You can go online and do one. You can come talk to me. I have like a $15 one. It's a little bit more, you know, in-depth. I'll sign you, get you the code for that. It's all online. Uh, they get involved with a number of different ministries, and so you can try out different things over the course of a year. Um, notice what you complain about. That's a big one. That's a really good one. You might be starting a new ministry. You never know. Um, is someone blessed by your service? So there's some just ways that you can kind of figure out what is your gifting and how you can use it in the body. Now, when you go downstairs today, and let's say you go through all of the different booths that are out there, and in the end, you figure out, you know what, there's, there's nothing where I really feel like I fit or I've got an idea for something new. And if you do, then just come talk to myself or uh, talk to me or pack, uh, talk to Pastor Tongue. And just like we said like, like two weeks ago, uh, we love innovation. Uh, we love entrepreneurship. We think that's actually the spirit of God, especially when it applies to church. Because God's always doing something creative and something new through his people. And so if you have an idea for a new ministry or something else that needs to be addressed in the church or in your neighborhood, whatever it might be, it may not be centric to, to SCAC, just come talk to us and we'd love to be a part of what God is birthing in your soul. And so my, um, you know, we talked about the 80-20 uh, proportion, only 80% of the ministry is done, only done by 20% of the church. So I'm hoping like for a 50-50 after these two weeks, I'm hoping that half of you guys are serving. So I created a hashtag, okay, 80-20, no more, all right? So the idea is that you'll go down there, you'll find this great ministry that you can serve with, all right? And then you're like saying yes, and you can take a picture on Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want to do, and you can put that hashtag up there, okay? 80-20, no more. We're not going to be that church. And we haven't been that church, but I know we can always do better. If we can get 50-50, that'd be amazing, amazing. So, uh, again, this is all flowing out of our uh, being immersed in uh, Romans, and particularly Romans 12. And so, if you would, let's stand and let's just read this together, Romans 12, 1 and 2 together, which is where everything's uh, flowing from. It's the hinge verse of Scripture. All right, let's read this out loud together. Ready? Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters... By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Have a seat. Amen. <clears throat> So this was kind of like the launching verse uh, a few weeks ago. And then yesterday, uh, last week we talked about the giftedness that God gives us to actually live this out in, uh, in, in sense of in community. 
And all of this service, what now the scripture we're at today, all of this service, it comes from, Paul says it needs to come from a heart of love. So that's where we are in Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. And he says this. He says, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, when you take a look at this particular verse, these set of verses, the first sentence is the most important. It says, he be, Paul begins with, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. It's an interesting sentence because you want to say, Paul, what other kind of love is there, right? Because if love isn't sincere, then it's, it can't really be love, right? Love by its very definition must be purely love or it's not love, right? I mean, saying Love must be sincere. It's kind of like McDonald's or one of those fast food restaurants saying, we serve 100% beef, patties, right? I mean, what else was supposed to be in the beef, right? If it's beef, it should be beef. If it's pork, it's pork. If it's chicken, it's chicken, right? So how can love not be love? Is there such a thing as insincere love? Have you ever done something loving, but weren't really filled with love? Have you ever done that? Have you ever done something before that was considered loving, but you weren't filled with love? I call that parenting, all right? I call that parenting, like 18 years, like that's what we're doing, all right? Um, this past week uh, on Wednesday, I had the honor of uh, being at AACF and speaking uh, at the, for the college ministry, and um, what was just really cool was just really to, for, first of all, for me to see how many uh, people who are at SCAC who are, who are leaders there at AACF, like half the worship team, half the, uh, the core staff. It was just, I was just so proud. I was just so proud. Uh, if, if you're at AACF and, and if you're like a leader at AACF, could you just stand? I just want to acknowledge you guys and just say thank you guys, all right? Don't be shy. Come on. It's okay. You can stand. Awesome. Love you guys. Appreciate so much your leadership. It's so important. It's so important. And um, <clears throat> one thing that was interesting, though, was that as I was preparing on Wednesday to speak, um, it was just one of those days, which are a lot of days in Seattle, you know, where it rains, and you don't really feel like doing anything, you know? One of those days where maybe your head feels a little bit fuzzy and your body just kind of follows. And so as I was thinking and trying to prepare for speaking that night, there was a part of me that just said, oh, gosh, I really don't want to do this. I'm really just not up to it. And they had asked me to speak on witnessing. So they were going to take some time, I think, in the next month to do some campus ministry where they're going out and talking to strangers. And so I had just recently spoke about that. I had that message called Just Walk. And if you remember my main point, which Nobody ever remembers. But if you remember the main point from that talk, all right, a couple weeks ago, just walk, was this. Is that, man, if you don't love, don't witness. Really simple. If you don't love, 
Don't witness. Don't even try. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt the person you're trying to witness to. It's just not going to work. And so as I was thinking, gosh, I, that's the point. That's the, the one point of the message where everything points to. And I was just thinking, you know, in this moment, I'm going to be talking to students and telling them if they don't love, then don't witness. And I was just at the same time myself, Roy, man, if you don't love, don't preach. If you don't love, don't preach. If you don't want to be there, don't do it. But you can't not do it, right? I mean, this was like scheduled two months in advance or something, right? You can't just like quit and just say, can't do that. And so I was like, God, I just do not, I just do not want to be a hypocrite, right? God, just fill me with your love. And God, I believe you have a greater capacity for, for love than I currently think about, than I currently understand. Olive's like, yeah, man, what's wrong with you, you know? <laughs> and um, so I was, just, I was just encouraging myself. Stirring up the love of God that I know that is greater in me. But there's still a part of me that's like, ah, I just feel a little, feel a little tired. And then uh, I bring, brought my daughter with me, and we were driving on our way uh, up to UW. And we stopped at a light, and there was a Baskin Robbins over on the side. And um, God always speaks to me through ice cream and things like that. I don't, I don't know what it is. He probably speaks to you, too, through ice cream, right? Come, come. Um, so, but Baskin Robbins, that we were just sitting at the light, just... And saw Baskin Robbins. You know, Baskin Robbins, there's, there's no walls, right? It's just windows. It's just windows and bright light, just really inviting. And in that moment, God really he speaks to me. You know, he spoke to me. And he was like, Roy, what would you rather be doing? Would you rather be sitting in Baskin Robbins, right, eating ice cream? Or would you want to go speak somewhere, WCF or something like that, right? And um, it just, I just had this picture of me sitting there. You know, eating ice cream. And um, the, the call or the, or the choice was just really, really stark and really simple. It's like to be there would just be, I could just be, not, I, I don't have to worry about anyone else. I don't have to think about anyone else. I, anybody else, I can just enjoy myself just sitting there, right? And then I was thinking, you know what? That's not actually a bad option, right? That actually would be pretty comfortable. I could actually do that. But it just, at the same time, what I thought about is it just, pales in comparison. It just pales like a hundred, it just be a hundred times more life-giving, a hundred times more challenging, a hundred times, a thousand times more hopeful to be preaching and teaching the Word of God, helping college students to know that God loves them and they have this great capacity to share the gospel with others and to change their lives. And the light turns green and then, and then we go and I was just ready. I was just on fire. I was just on fire, just ready, just ready. And I think that what, what happens to a lot of us is that, you know, too many times we, we just think that the love that we have and our capacity for love is just so small. We, we think that the cross in its return seems to be diminishing all the time where there's just not enough love. And so we just really, we really limit ourselves to what we can and we can't do. So what, Paul, what is Paul getting us at, at this moment, right, when he says that love must be sincere? Love, but Paul's challenging us. He's saying this, is that the human heart, your heart, in the hands of God can be so transformed that your heart can actually be free to love. That your heart can be free to love. Because a lot of times we think that my heart's not really free my heart's more confined. I have to limit, constantly limit myself. And I, wanna, I don't want to love too much 
Don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But what Paul is saying is that Christians, the way we, we ought to walk, the way we ought to walk in love, the way we ought to love is that you don't have to fake love anymore. That your heart can be so changed that you love freely, that you love relentlessly, that you love powerfully, authentically, that there's an arc of love and service in your life, that you don't actually have to walk around with an insincere love anymore, doing things simply out of obligation, doing things simply because you're supposed to be the nice person, doing things simply because no one else is doing it. But did you, have to, you actually have this capacity to do things in powerful, authentic, humble, sincere love. God redeemed you to be a person who loves sincerely, who loves authentically, and loves powerfully because of his love for you. Paul is inviting us that our hearts can be so transformed that you don't have to walk around in fake love. Let me, let me try to explain it this way. Because we've been through now Romans 1 through 12. <clears throat> and I know you guys have been tracking with me. And so chapters 1 through 3, are all, it's all about sin. It's all about all the ways that we have done what we weren't supposed to do. You have, these, you have all of these rules and not rules but what's moral and what's righteous and what's not righteous and as human beings because of our sinful heart we have chosen to do the wrong things there's a lot of do nots in the bible right there's a lot of do nots but we have chosen to do the do nots and the things that we do not want to do we know that we should not do them those are the things that we do and that's romans chapter 7 right and as christians what happens to us <clears throat> is that we continue, after we come to Christ, we continue to live in the do-not world. See, the do-not world is this. Look, when I'm living my Christian life, I just have to make sure I don't do those certain things. I just have to make sure that I don't commit adultery. I just have to make sure I don't steal or lie or commit murder. I just have to make sure that I do not do these certain things. And that's, that's good and that's fine. The problem, though, is that if you're in the do-not world all the time, you're always thinking of what you're not supposed to do. You're always thinking about how you need to confine yourself. You're not thinking about who you're supposed to be becoming. Because God is saying you're going from a different world. You're going from the do-not world, and you're going to the world of the free. And a lot of us don't know what that feels like, and it's a little bit scary as well. But the free world is all about who you're becoming in Christ because of the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. And that's where we start running into other laws and other things that might hold us back a bit. So Paul's saying, you don't have to walk in fake love. He's saying that I'm calling you. Jesus didn't die so that you would actually live so that your heart is just filled with an insincere love. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that your love is always conditional. It's always tempered, always cautious. Jesus didn't wash his disciples' feet so that you would detest serving another person. His love is supposed to free you. You're used to, we are used to, fake love, being polite. You're used to being polite so people will think nice of you. You're used to serve others, maybe out of guilt. You're used to, we're used to acting as if we cared for people so that other people think we're caring. But look, this is one thing I've noticed in just like, 
you know, 15 years of ministry is that polite, uh, politeness, polite people, they don't impact the world. Only loving people impact the world. And if hurt people hurt people, then only loving people can heal the world. Some of you are coming into this space. Are you coming? I'm so glad you're here. God accepts us. He says, come, come as you are. <clears throat> but some of you are coming to this space with an insincere love. It's like, oh, I have to be here. Oh, my parents, you know, brought me here. Or, oh, I have to worship God. Really, I have to sing. Oh, I have to sit next to this person. Or I have to sit with this row of people or those people over there. I have to suffer with them. Some of you are Sunday school teachers, and bless you guys, right? But just challenge you a little bit, like you're thinking, ah, oh, I have to serve at Sunday school. Ah, oh, I have another meeting to go to. Your life is just one big, ah, oh, just one big obligation. No love. But you're here because you're serving Jesus, right? And you try to smile, but you don't get brownie points for an insincere love. In fact, there are no brownie points with God. All there is is grace, church. All there is is grace, and you're swimming in it. And if you just realized how much you were swimming in grace, you would be filled with his love, not obligation. That's what Paul is calling us to. That's why he says in the next, very next verse, he says, first, love must be sincere. Then the very next verse, he says, hate what's evil. Why? Because insincere love is counterfeit love. Conditional love is counterfeit love. Counterfeit love is what the devil offers. You know, if two people are standing at the altar and they're saying I love yous and they're I do's, right? There is no room. There's like not even 1% room for there to be any type of doubt, any type of insincerity, any type of this kind of person kind of really just annoys me. No, I mean, when you or two people are saying their I do's, there needs to be 100% full-on love and commitment. There is no room because that, if you got a 1%, you've got a 10%, once you get married, that's going to blow up and become your 50% of all the marriages that end in divorce. You need to be, we need, and God is calling us, we have this greater capacity for love than you possibly, possibly understand. Um. On, on Friday, I was with a group of pastors. We were out here in the, enjoying our new furniture out there. And um, so there's about, about once a month a group of pastors from the Rainier Valley. We just come and we pray because of all the things that um, are going on in the Rainier Valley. Crime, poverty, domestic violence, education gap, a lot of things. And so hopefully it's encouraging for you that a lot of pastors here want to kind of figure out a way to kind of band together because this is our community. These are our churches. This is our neighborhood. We want to band together and pray. So we always have a time to, to share a little bit, and then and we pray. We pray for each other's ministries and churches, and we pray for the Rainier Valley. It's, it's really good. Um, but one of the things I shared was this. Uh, today, okay, today, as of, as of today, this is the 140th day since I've been back from sabbatical. Okay, 140 days. And what I shared was that after 140 days from being back to sabbatical, like an amazing sabbatical, we had this amazing peace, amazing love, amazing energy coming back into ministry, that I felt good. I felt really good. 
But I also remember my first day back at church after my sabbatical. And coming back in, the thought, which is probably a thought that a lot of us have, is I've got all this energy, I've got all this passion, I've got all this love, I've got all this peace. When is it going to end? Right? Because it can't be this good. Love can't last that long. At some point, something's going to come into your life and it's just going to mess everything up, kind of disturb your peace and disturb your love, disturb your faith, just break everything down. And that kind of thought has like always been in the back of my mind ever since I came back to sabbatical. It's like, at one point, is the other shoe going to drop? And at one point, will I have lost most of my shoes and I'll be running around barefoot, you know? <laughs> I mean, at one point, will that happen? And what was really, what I loved was that was what I was able to share, which is the thought that I've been having for, for a while, is that, first of all, just let you know, is that I'm good. Is that the love and peace of Christ are there. The same passion that I have coming back from sabbatical is the same that's still there. But here's where God is, has, is, is shaping me. Uh, what I'm learning, what the Spirit is teaching me is this. I just thought, why do I have that thought all the time? You know, Murphy's Law, right? You've heard of Murphy's Law, right? Whatever bad that could possibly happen, it will happen, right? What I realized is that Murphy's Law, it seems to be the law in my mind. That seems to be the prevailing law in my mind. And what we've been talking about in Romans, really, uh, 8 through, through 12, is that there is the law of the spirit of life that sets you free from the law of sin and death. And so... If Murphy's law is in your mind, when you're constantly worried or anxious that when is the other shoe going to drop, you're going to have very little capacity for love. In fact, what it's going to feel like in your life is that love and God's love is going to seem and going to feel like a very scarce resource in your life. You're constantly going to be measuring how much you can give, how much you can love, how much you can do, how much you can impact, and it's always going to be in the context of, I don't have a lot, it's scarce. And I was thinking about that, then I was just putting that thought next to the cross. Because the cross is this, the, the, the law is this, it's the law of love, that God gave his son in love to forgive us of all of our sins so that we might be set free from sin, so that we'd be free to love. And so if God is love, and God gave his son in love, so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be free to love, then how come love is such a scarce resource? It doesn't make sense. Well, it only makes sense if we're still living in the law of Murphy. And I realized Murphy plays a really big role in my life. <laughs> Murphy's always telling me, you don't have enough love. Don't do double ACF. Don't do anything else. Just, just love the people you love. And so if, if you can only love the people you love, and if your love is only coming from you, and if love is constantly a scarce resource in your life because God is really not the God of love, 
the only people you can really love are like maybe your maybe your spouse, and that's like, you know, that's like every other week, you know, when you're not fighting or something, you know, you know, you can only love maybe your kids, you know, when they're really young and cute. That's about it. And they grow up to be teenagers and not so cute anymore. And no, Mia's beautiful. You're beautiful, Mia. And who else can you love? Parents, maybe. And you're constantly thinking. And when you're thinking about going forth and doing and becoming the God, the person that God wants you to be, you're always going to be held back because there's not enough love and hope and trust that's going to see you through to your future, to the person that you're becoming. And for me, in my moment, that moment was just like, I'm, I'm done with Murphy. I'm done. I'm done with that law that tells me there's never enough. I'm done with that law that tells me that God's love is not enough. I'm done with that law that tells me that God's not going God's not going to be there enough. I'm done with that law that tells me there's not enough. I don't have the capacity for it. Now, I don't want you to go crazy, okay? I am not saying that you are like God and you have the same type of capacity, infinite capacity of love for the whole world and for all people. That's not what I'm saying. We are not God. And so our love is limited. I would encourage you with this. Don't think about your love going so far and spreading out so wide. What I want to encourage you first is wherever God is calling you to love, you go deep. Meaning you really love. Stop the insincere love. Stop the obligation love. Stop the politeness love. With the people that are close in proximity to you, you start there and you go deep deep in love. You go deep in service. You go deep in listening. You go deep in counseling. You go deep in having conversations. You go deep with the people that are in your sphere. And what this is what happens. As you go deep and you're faithful in loving the people that are around you. And when I say around you, church, I'm saying take a look around you. I'm talking about the people that are in your pew. I'm talking about the people that are in your small group. We should be loving our church people, deeply. And when you go deep and you're faithful with the deep, what you see God do is to also begin to widen and expand your reach and the people that are the benefit that be blessed by your love. I don't know about you. I'm just done. I'm done with the other law in my head, Murphy's law. I'm done with that law. I have a new law. And Paul's urging all of us to have this new law, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. See, the the way the old sacrificial system worked is that you brought this offering, and this offering, you kill it. You brought this this goat, you brought this, uh, you know, the bull, the, the, the pigeon, whatever it might be. They're as good as dead, and they give up their life. They're dead. They give up their life to atone for sin. When you are a living sacrifice, you give your life to God. God gives it back, infuses with the Spirit, and says, go live freely to love. Don't live your life holding back. Your love is, there's an infinite capacity. It's relentless, 
authentic and powerful in order to impact this world. And it's so important, again, to think about who you are becoming. Again, so many Christians, we live in this do not world. And there's a lot, trust me, there's a lot of scripture where it says, do not do this, do not do that. And as Christians, sometimes we're just thinking about walking this tightrope of I'm doing this and doing that, right? God's launching us into the be who we are becoming. That's what this is about. I mean, just again, look at the kind of, um, uh, look at the kind of person that God, that Paul seems to say that you can become. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Question, who are you devoted to? Who are you devoted to? Who knows that you're devoted to them? Honor one another above yourselves. Paul says this is just normal Christian walk after you've become a Christian, after you've you've become a Christian. Never be lacking in zeal. Real never. Never be lacking. I'm constantly talking to people about burnout. I've been burnt out as well. Where are we getting this source of energy and passion where we're never lacking in zeal. We're always thinking zeal is like, when's, when's my zeal going to run out, right? That's what we're thinking. When am I going to get that back? God, you're holding out on me. When am I going to get that zeal back, right? He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. He actually thinks that's possible. He actually thinks that God has enough resource for you to keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Well, that's where we get burned out. <laughs> Paul says, no. There's a resource there where you can never be lacking in zeal. You keep your spiritual fervor serving people. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Really? All the time? Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And I love these verses because it's repeatedly be this, church, be that. You're this and you're that. It's not I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm, I'm, I do not, do not, do not do that. No. It's this idea, it's this new mentality of who you're becoming be, 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 who are you becoming? I like that because, again, there's all these do nots. But if you come from a guilt and shame mindset, you get focused, keeping in line with the do nots, and you never live into the bees. You never look into, live into the bees. And when you start living into the who you're becoming, think about it, you actually change. You really change. Now, how many of you guys have done like Myers-Briggs, disc profile, right, Enneagram, okay? A lot of us, we define ourselves, like, and, and those things are good, right? I've taken all of those. I love those. I love looking at those things. <clears throat> I want you to know this, especially from a Christian perspective, all right? When you, when you take those and, and sometimes you read, like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a number two or I'm a seven or you know, I have a high I profile, or I'm an S and C, or I'm an INTJ, or EST, whatever it might be, all right? And, we, and we, sometimes we use those and say, that's who I am. All right, I want you to know that's actually not how you want to use those temperaments, okay? Because there's actually just, actually just taking Scripture side, taking Bible side, just psychology. <clears throat> there's a realm of psychology that will tell you this. You know your personality the way that you are, because everyone thinks they're awesome, right? Yeah, y'all have an awesome personality, right? Yeah, I'm cool. Like, I like who I am. I'm just like, I'm really good, right? We all like, and, and all those people who are extroverts, those are weird because introverts are cooler. Jesus was an introvert, you know? I mean, we have all these things of like, yeah, this is my identity, right? There's a, 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 uh, 
stream of thought in psychology. The reason you have your particular personality and the reason you react and are relationally, whether you're extroverted or introverted, the reason you are the way that you are is because at a very young age, you experienced trauma. And due to your trauma, you created a persona so that you could protect yourself. You understand that? That there was some trauma, there was some rejection, there was some pain in your life that you faced, and you didn't know how to handle it. And in order to handle it, and so that you would never get hurt again, you created a personality. You created a persona to protect you from a world that is not safe. That's why you're a number seven. And that's why you're introverted. Why are you so introverted? Because you don't want to talk to people because people are scary. Why are you so extroverted? Well, I'm extroverted because, you know what? If I can control the conversation, then I have all the variables covered, and there's no risk involved for me. Does that make sense? All right? So here's the thing, is that in Christ, if we are being transformed, Romans 12, 1 through 2, if we're being transformed, we're actually going to change. Some of you are extroverts, and, like, you need to be more introverted, right? I'll just tell you that. Some of you are really extroverted. You need to be more introverted. Some of you are introverted. You need to be more extroverted. You might be an ESTJ. You know what? God, in a couple years, he might change you into an INFP or whatever it might be. God is going to change you because you are becoming someone different as the love of God is being poured through your life if you allow and believe and have faith that the love of God is being poured through your life. I was at a wedding a couple years ago. And I just found myself in a place where I was standing next to another guy, another guy that I know. This guy's painfully, painfully shy. I hadn't seen him in a little while. We were just talking. And we were just talking. And then about 15 minutes later, 15 minutes later, I realized that this person I was talking to, wait, this is the guy that never talks. This is the guy that's painfully shy. And I've just had, I just realized 15 minutes later, I've had this amazing conversation, really great conversation. And so, you know me, sometimes, you know, I, I don't have tact, okay? And sometimes, and sometimes I'm just really curious, I'm just curious. And um, <clears throat> I told the person, and I said, look, I've never spoken to you in an extended conversation ever. I just, <laughs> just told him that, you know? I said, I've never spoken this long to you and I was so floored, right, of just the change because it was so natural. I didn't realize 15 minutes later that, wait, this is the same person. And I said, you know what? This is sound weird, but I actually feel like you care about me. <laughs> That's what I said to him. I said, I actually feel like you care about me in this conversation. And then <clears throat> he just started explaining to me. I'm so good. He just started to explaining to me his greater understanding of God's love. And he said, there's so much fun in God's love. I just feel like I want to be a part of that. That's what he said. And I was like, wow. God's like changing his personality all because of his understanding of God's love. I mean, from this painfully, painfully quiet person, this person who was like, wow, 
the ways he was conversating, you feel that love. And we always, we always, a lot of us, church, too many of us, you see yourself as static. You see, like, your personality, just everything, your mind is just solid, just rock. It's never going to change. Nothing's ever going to change me. That's not Christian mindset. Christian mindset is we're always being transformed day by day, time by time, year by year, more and more into the image of God. And that's hopeful. That's hopeful. And that's why when you think about God, I want you also to know that there's things that move the heart of God that make him kind of switch up his game from time to time as well. Uh, I love the, the parable that Jesus spoke, and he, he gave us a little glimpse on, on how God can seem one way in one moment and how God can just radically be different in another. And in the parable of the, the prodigal son, remember that story, right? You have a father, you have two, he has two sons. And one of the younger sons says, Dad, you're pretty much dead to me. Would you give my inheritance? And the father in his unfathomable grace and love says, okay. And he gives him his half inheritance. His, his son goes and squanders it off. Remember that? And then he wastes it all. He finds himself in a, in a, in a pigsty, you know, with the, eating with the same food that the pigs are eating. It's like, I could just do a little bit better if I just humble myself a little bit and go to my dad. So he goes back. <clears throat> And what's been happening is that the good father, and the father represents God, he's been waiting in the distance. Like this, this, the father just has this vision moment where he's hoping that his son's going to come back. He just envisions his son just one day, one day coming back. And so every day, he, so he lives that out. And so he's just, the father's just kind of static in his love. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. But every day he just goes out there, and every day, just the same thing. He just sits there and just waits for his son to come back. And so that one day it happens, and then he sees his son, he sees the shape of his son, and then what happens? It says that the father stood up and that he ran to his son. And if you ever know, just just kind of the Jewish background and the context and things like that, that it would have looked just really awkward. It would have looked really awkward to see a really old man run especially in a Jewish context, it would be just something that would be considered undignified. He would have had to, like, roll up, take up his, his cloak like this, kind of put it in a ball. You would have seen his, like, old varicose veins, all right? And then it is old, that be, and he would be running. It would just be really awkward, not saying anything bad about old people, but when you see, like, really old people run, it's, like, it's kind of awkward, all right? But he represents God, and in that moment of awkwardness, he would have looked so awkward. He would, look, he would have looked so undignified doing this. And yet in that moment, he was doing what was only so natural in his heart. And, and that's how some of you might feel as you feel like you're going out in love and trying to apply this particular scripture to your life. That it feels like, man, I've got all this love and I'm going to be doing these things that are different and it doesn't, it doesn't feel natural. Yeah, it may not feel natural. But I want you to know what's natural is the love of God that it's flowing through you that wants to be free to flow through you. And it will start to feel more natural because that's what love does. It changes you. It matures you. It transforms you. There is a relational depth that God invites us to walk intimately with him that fills our souls and our spirits so that we might overflow in love and that we might overflow in service to others. So 
Look, in these past two weeks, I believe that God is asking so many of you, upon whom is God calling you to impact? Upon whom is God calling you to impact with your overflowing love and your overflowing service that's there? It's not in a limited quantity. It's not scarce. You're swimming in it, church. Upon whom is God calling you to impact with your overflowing love and the overflowing service through your spiritual gifting? Who are the people that need your devotion? And that you can do it without asking anything in return. You don't care about if they're going to complain about you or if they're not appreciative. No, you don't need to walk around in fake love. That's fake love. Sincere, full-on love is I'm doing this because I love God and I love others. And that's all the explanation that I need. And there's enough for that. And so back to the question of last week, who will you serve? Who will you serve? And hell, for many of you that you're choosing to serve somewhere here in the church, and also you're figuring out and finding out ways to serve Seattle, to serve your community, or if you're in Bellevue or Everett, wherever you might be, wherever you're coming from, you're finding ways to serve, finding ways to serve. And so on your bulletin uh, today, you'll see that there is a diagram downstairs for downstairs of just some of the different ministries that you can serve in, okay? And is Stacy here, by the way? I don't know if Stacey's here. Stacey, you want to come up? You want to just, just say a couple things just about the ministry fair and just uh, maybe give us a couple of highlights, just a few highlights of some of the areas that we can, that we can um, get involved with, okay? Yeah, Stacey. Children's ministry. Children's ministry. Hi, uh, my name is Stacy, and um, I'm so thankful for all of you guys here. I know that a lot of you serve, and I see your hearts, and I see your hearts for just a community here of uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and also for the community. So um, if you look into your bulletin, we have quite a bit of different areas that you can serve. Uh, the ones that are closest to my heart are Dearborn Park Int International School. Um, I'm there maybe once a week or um, just seeing the kids make me s makes me smile so much. They come up and say, hi, Miss Stacy, <laughs> and they give me the biggest hug. Um, we know the staff there really well. So um, I know that some people here actually volunteer there, like Brian Lee. Um, also... Uh, my brother <laughs> is on the PowerPoint team. So if you can click a button, you too can be part of that portion. So just, you know, we, you know, we know people who know people. So if you want to serve, talk to someone <laughs> downstairs. So yeah, feel free just to come up to the table, say hi, introduce yourself, and let us know how you can serve. Thanks. Bam. Thanks, Stacy. <clears throat> <clears throat> All right, church, let's pray, and then we're going to have a time of communion. And communion ushers, you can come forward as well. So we're going to pray, then I'm going to serve the communion ushers, and then um, let you guys have a time of communion. But let's pray. Let's bow our heads. And so this morning, I don't know, you know, every single person, we, when we think about ourselves, we think about of the capacity of our hearts. We do. And typically, typically, we're very protective. But I don't know where any of you feel like your hearts are. But uh, what I want you to know is that in this moment, 
then it's because the grace of God is, we're filled with it uh, all the time, is that God has a vision for your life. God has, and it's not this vision that's like five, ten years from now. I'm sure he has that as well. But there's actually a right now vision, in this moment vision, not a later vision. It's a right now vision for your heart. God has a vision for your life, but you're not going to come even close unless you understand God has a vision for your inner heart right now. And so I don't know where your heart feels like it is today, where it's really shrunken or it's, it's like really big, but you need to know that Jesus died for you on the cross so that your heart would explode with the greatest kind of love that doesn't come from you. That is not a scarce resource. The love that comes from you, that's a scarce resource. But it's the love that comes when the heart of the Spirit of God invades your heart of flesh and blood and blesses and heals the world. Nice people do not change the world. Loving people change the world. And so, Father, thank you for this morning. And I just pray, Father, for every heart here. And I pray, Father, that they would know at the bottom of their hearts where they feel like there's very little, where there's nothing, I pray that they would see Christ. I, say that, I pray that they would sense the Holy Spirit. And I would pray that they would have faith to know that there is an unending wellspring of love that comes and is because of the presence of Christ in us. And that they no longer have to have a scarcity mentality. But instead, as we call upon the name of the Lord, when we feel like we don't have enough, as we call upon the name of the Lord, when we feel like we've, we've been burnt out or we've had enough service or whatever it might be, that we call on the name of the Lord and that we will know without a doubt that we're swimming in grace, that we have what it means, what, it, what we need to be zealous, to, be never be, to never be lacking zeal, to be always fervent, to always be on fire and to always be serving you. God, we, for every single one of us, we kick Murphy out of our heads, our minds. We no longer obey the law of Murphy. We are immersed in the law of grace, the spirit of grace that fills our hearts and minds with your thoughts in mind, with your thoughts, and to lead a life of sacrificial love and blessing for this world. That, that is who we stake our lives on. Thank you, Father, for giving your life for us that we may live that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.